0: Uh, Man, I I just say it's good to be in the house of God this morning, right? Yes, it is, in Jesus' name. I'm just sitting over there, not trying to be cheesy, but I like thinking about what David said. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. There's nothing like gathering with God's people, amen? Amen. So, listen, if you've uh, been around the past few days, then you know that, uh, that we've had a great couple of days of ministry. And uh, truthfully, I would just say this. If you haven't been here the past few days, uh, you're in for a treat this morning. So, uh, we have a very special guest with us. This is Mr. Michael Cotton. Uh, like I said the other night, he uh, and his wife Gloria, they live in Jamestown, North Carolina. Uh, they have been married for 52 years. I got it right this time, 52 years. That's amazing. And uh, they have three sons, and they actually uh, are a part of their son, Ben's Church. He's their middle son. It's called Living Hope there in Kernersville, North Carolina, if you're familiar with that area. Anyways, so uh, he and his wife, uh, just kind of give you a quick background. Uh, when, when basically, when Michael graduated college, he was a practicing lawyer, and, uh, and after 13 years of that, kind of in the middle of that, he got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and God began to, um, you know, he just began to recognize that there was anointing and a calling on his life. And, and he began to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, in 1982, him and his wife took a uh, bold step of faith uh, to step away from practicing law to actually going into full-time ministry. And, uh, you know, here it is, how many ever years later, I'm not going to try to do the math, I'm a simple man from Alabama. Um, He's trying to do it, so 39 years, so 39 years, if, if, yeah, anyways, y'all can judge that. And so, anyways, for the last 39 years, they've been living, living by faith just doing ministry. These guys have done marriage conferences, they've done uh, parenting conferences, prophetic business conferences, prophetic development conferences, and, uh, you know, to this point, he has traveled, uh, you know, as a prophet to 39 nations in the world. And uh, and like I said to you the other day, I, you know it's an honor and a privilege that he would come and hang out with us. Uh, I've been blessed the past few days. As a pastor, it's been super fun just to sit back and watch God minister to all you guys. And so, if you can, I would encourage you just to lean in uh, with great hunger and expectation. Uh, you know, there's a there's a way to pull on the anointing and to pull on the gifts. And and what I mean by that is you can easily sit back and go, okay, whatever I'm here. And, and that's about what you're going to get. Or you can go, God, I'm hungry, and I'm going to honor the man of God that you sent us, and, and God will begin to speak to us. Amen. So if you can, open up your heart, and if you can, just welcome Mr. Michael with me, please.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you all. Um, it's nice to be here. The weather's not bad. So I came, to, I, I came early enough, so it's not bad, and I'm not being shocked with my southern body, is, is okay. Um, uh, I had a prophetic word this morning right at the end of worship, and uh, but th- these guys were under so much anointing, I didn't feel like I could get it in edgewise. Uh, God says to you, all of you individually, and to this church, He will not leave you without direction in these days. No matter how confusing it becomes, or how unusual it is. He will lead you, and He will guide you every step. And God says, He will bring down the proud, and He will raise up the meek and the humble. And He gave me the opening words of Jesus' first sermon on the earth. I want to read just a few verses. His first sermon on the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So God's going to raise up and direct and cover and protect the poor in spirit. The message that comes from the world is hush, be quiet. You don't know anything. You're in the bucket of deplorables, whatever it is. Uh, You don't know anything, but God says he will bless the poor in spirit. And he says, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the pathway for the church in these days is this verse, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Even though the arrogant want to disinherit the church, God says you will inherit the church in meekness and in humility, that's what God says to you this morning. Does that make sense? Yes. Man, it did to me, and I almost stopped the worship, but y'all were just, they were going. I mean, how could you, I don't know, it might have shocked me if I'd have gotten up there and tried to say something in the <laughs> middle of that. Uh, uh, I want to start with a story about me being a dingbatter. Uh, do y'all know what a ding batter is? You may not know, but uh, we, we had gone to Moorhead City on the coast of North Carolina in the early 2000s and started a church uh, right down uh, uh, across from the uh, charter boats where they docked on the downtown Moorhead City on the docks. And, um, uh, uh, so the people that are off, that are not native to that area, are called ding batters. And right off of Moorhead City, there's an island called Harker's Island. And it's populated mainly with uh, uh, descendants of Bristol sailors that jumped ship uh, and populated Harker's Island, which was unpopulated at the time. Only Indians had been living there. And, and uh, so they left behind huge piles of oyster shells, just huge piles all over the island that the Indians were anyway. So I was... I had a boat. God had given us a boat, a Boston Whaler, and uh, uh, I was in one day at the Boston Whaler dealership in Moorhead City getting something fixed on my boat, which is always an experience, and there was an old guy in there, so the Boston Whaler guy, you know, the guys at the counter, they're counter guys, the same counter guys that work at every car parts place, car dealership, repair shop, it's the same guys and and I, they just move all around the country, wherever I am, they all look alike, they're all wearing their fancy little vest with the color and the logo, you know, and, and I'm in there, and then an old guy who was in his mid-80s comes in, and it's obvious when I saw him, I knew he was a waterman. that is, he, he he made it through a few grades in school, but he had been running a shrimp boat since he was in his early teens, and that was the main industry down there, was shrimping, and, and uh, he came in, and 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 he came over and sat next to me, and we're the only ones in the waiting room, and uh, the, I see the counter guys looking at me and laughing. And so the, all, this old uh, islander starts talking to me, and I couldn't understand a word he said. He was talking in true hark- harkas Oiland. harkas Oiland lingo, and it was just as if he had jumped off of a ship from Bristol, England, 200 years earlier that was the accent in Horka's oil so he wouldn't have pie he would have poi and and but his act but it, his accent was so thick I couldn't understand it. and I truly and he looked at me and knew and, and what they call us is dingbatter he knew I was a dingbatter <laughs> and he probably only had his family that could understand him on the island but he was talking to me, and I'm going, Jesus, what is this? But I recognize this man was born again. I recognize the light of Christ in his eyes, just as easy, just settled just as easy on him, and and so out of this seamed old face, kind of a big stocky guy, worn out, hands just a mess, just mangled, you know, you've been stripping your whole life, your hands are worn, torn up, and And he's talking to me. I'm, Lord Jesus, what is this? So I said, well, God, you gave me the gift of interpreting tongues. (laughs) So I just became a prophet listening. And he would talk, but the words would come right in my mind. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) God shows up like that. it, It always overwhelms me. And I understood with perfect English what he was saying in a simultaneous translation. And uh, so he said something, and I replied in clear English to what he had said, and he went like this, and then he started talking a mile a minute, and I'm looking at the counter guys over there laughing at me because they know they they don't understand him when he comes in to get his his, uh, uh, life savings boat fixed. Very important to him. Recreation for me, life for him. And they don't understand him, and they're looking over me laughing, and we start talking, and he starts talking a mile a minute. God's giving me, by the Spirit, a simultaneous translation, and we talk for an hour and a half because it's never quick when you're getting your boat fixed. It's never quick. It's never in and out. No. you got to possess yourself with patience. and We're over there talking for an hour and a half and he's talking just because he hadn't ever had a ding-batter understand him. And, and, at, and after a while, these guys that had been laughing and joking about us and what was being done to me and how uncomfortable I would be looked over there and saw us just in earnest conversation. And we were talking about the Lord and what God had been doing and miracles he had seen on the water and all this stuff. And, and, and after a while, they're looking over there and they're not laughing. They're, they're going, what, what is this? We don't even understand what this is. This is, instead of being a joke, this thing is elevated to something else. These guys are having a heart-to-heart conversation. And what, what I saw and what I fell into by accident, well, obviously it was God that broke my boat. To have me there that day was God that broke my boat, my pretty Boston whaler. Uh, and God had me there so that I could fellowship with him and share with him, and for God to show me something, that he calls us out of every tribe, nation, and tongue. I want to talk about this, but I'm giving you the conclusion of the story first. He calls us out of every tribe, nation, and tongue, and he will have his people understand each other. and There will be no confusion of language. There will be no confusion of culture Because we shared the same culture. And it wasn't his Bristol culture. And it wasn't my educated middle North Carolina culture. It was the culture of the kingdom of God. And we celebrated as two brothers in Christ in that boat dealership that day. So um, that's the end of the story. Let's start with the beginning. Um, I want to talk for a few minutes about um, God told me this morning that it would be important to talk about the times and the seasons that we're facing and what the church should do in the middle of the times and the seasons that we're in. We need to know how to think in today's very abusive and confusing and untruthful world. How do we think? How do we move? How do we keep our focus? So, Father, I ask you, Uh, Speak to us today, Lord, show us and tell us the times and the seasons and how we are to live in today's world. Amen. I want to start in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, just for a minute about the Tower of Babel. Um, And So verse 1, Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and settle there. So there was real unity. There was no division based on culture, race, or language. None. Everybody was alike. And in the middle so so they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. So mankind is made in the image of God. Right? Mankind is made in the image of God. All mankind so when man purposes to do something since we're made in the image of god we're not like a monkey monkey's not made in the image of god they don't share no no, the animal kingdom does not share the image of god with us we are different and because we're made in the image of god we have a power there is a power of the human spirit when actually when you're studying prophecy you realize you have to be careful about the human spirit which can do things. There's the Holy Spirit, the human spirit, and the evil spirit, but that's, of course, in prophecy, not doing that today. So there's there's a power in mankind. So when mankind comes together, together in unity, it can do things. I remember John Kennedy in the early 60s saying, we're going to put a man on the moon before the end of this decade. He was assassinated, but in 1969, those men walked on the moon That was not an effort of the church. That was an effort of the federal government and of every engineer they could find. You give engineers enough money. Anybody in here an engineer? You give an engineer enough money, and you can do what? You can move anything, build anything, construct anything. Right? I love engineers. Y'all need to thank them whenever you see them because they're really, the world operates because they're having fun being engineers. If they weren't here, everything would break down. Anyway, that's a different different sermon too, brother. Um, So they say we're going to build a tower because we want to reach up to God. We want to reach up to heaven and have our own status. This is what man does. This is what mankind, outside of Jesus Christ, this is what mankind does. It will build for himself, herself, something that's big and glorious. Have you ever wondered about, it used to be temples built the big buildings, and then governments built the big buildings, and now it's the banks that build the big buildings. And one bank's going to build a building this high, then somebody will build a Sears Tower and they'll build a Sears Tower. Then they'll put. Then the other guy will put a tower, a little radio tower, on top of his building, to make it a little bit taller. And you got to wonder: it's, we want to make a name for ourselves? So now we have, uh, we have sports teams. Of course, we don't include Alabama in that. But <laughs> we. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm an Alabama fan. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a. I'm a Jacksonville. You know, so we we associate with something because we want to associate with a big name and something that's successful. It's mankind. So then, let's go on. The, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Okay, so God knows what's going on. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They're in unity. They have to listen to this. When you hear it, the way I'm going to say it, you're not going to believe it. And they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. Now, nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. So God knows you're made in his image. And if you can get together in unity, whatever you purpose to do, wow, doesn't mean it's good. But there's power in man. This is what, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. All right. So God sees man in his unity starting to build something and making a name for themselves. Not God, but in their humanity, putting themselves in as God and beginning to build something like they were gods. And God goes, I oppose that. got to hear this now. God oppose, opposes the unity of man outside of the Holy Spirit. got to hear this. This is not just ancient history. God asked me, the re- this, this message began with God saying to me one day, casually, does God ever do that to you? Ask you a casual question, and I go, well, sure, God, then you're about halfway through your answer, you go, oh, wait a minute. I, I, better, I better think about it. God, God said, does the Babel principle still exist? Now, I thought about that and realized nowhere does God say he's eliminated or stopped or terminated the Babel principle. God is still opposing the unity of man outside of God. He's opposing it. All right, let's go on. So, And they scattered them over the whole earth. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Confusion through language. Confusion through misunderstanding. Confusion through suspicion. Everything that did not happen to me sitting in the Boston Whaler dealership as a batter. But outside of Christ, me and this other brother, he would have just looked at me and said, that Batter, he doesn't know anything. I want to talk to him so he can't understand me and make, make him look like a fool. But no. All right, scene two. So you you got scene one that's still continuing in the world. Scene two. Acts 2, 1 through 12. You're not going to believe this. You you hear this. All right. When the day of Pentecost had come, this is Acts 2, 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent wind, rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. you know John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus said he was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist came, and he had one message. The message was, now, he's the end of the Old Testament. He's the end of things before the cross. So he's standing right there and he's seeing, he's all this and he's the greatest of the prophets, greater than Moses. That's what Jesus said, greater than all of them. And he's standing there and his prophetic message is there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you and the Holy Spirit and with fire so this is the last prophetic message of the entire old testament there's one coming the next thing you hit in the bible is the new testament matthew revealing the genealogy of jesus being the one to come at that time and john's the first one and he's the only one of the old covenant who gets stirred by the Holy Spirit, he was in his mother's womb. When, he, when his mother came into the presence of G, of Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, and John jumped with the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you need an argument for abortion, for stopping abortion, that's it. That infant in the womb was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he was born. Jesus. That just puts you back on it. I bet that was something. So, um, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, keep in mind Babel, which is still going. Babel principle is still alive. Here we go. Um, God gave... Um, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. The Dingbatter and the Harker Islander, Oylander. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these who were speaking Galileans? That is uneducated, uh, whatever uneducated people would be up here uh, down in my area be good old boys, Um, uneducated good old boys. Uh, And how is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born? Keep in mind Babel now. Here we go. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygian, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty needs of God. They all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? Well, What it means is that at Pentecost, God began to reverse the dispersion at Babel. Began to reverse it and to bring mankind together in the baptism and the Holy Spirit, and that's something. It's the reversal of Babel, and from then until now, the thing that has brought us together is the baptism and the Holy Spirit. Me sitting down there in that that um, uh, Boston Whaler dealership and with that guy, and the Holy Spirit giving me. A, an in, clear English interpretation of what he was saying and us carrying on a real conversation, a real understanding of what was going on. Uh, first time I was uh, on the mission field, I, uh, I went to Haiti in 1984. And um, uh, we landed We uh, up, up on the side of the hill, Haiti, uh, the capital city is Port-au-Prince, and there's a, a, a bay there and hills all the way around it. And the rich people lived up on top of the hill and the poor people live down at sea level because they have no sewage system there, so the sewage and everything else just drains down to the uh, sea level and drains right into the bay there at Port-au-Prince. And uh, it's no place to live. It's The word would be noxious. Your, your, your nose is just offended when you go in. So we went down. Uh, we had been there a day, and... Eating Kentucky Fried Chicken and nothing else, and um, well, that's a, a real Kentucky Fried Chicken store. And uh, but the pieces were really small. I, I'm, I'm still a little bothered by that. And uh, so we went down uh, to the to the slums, and we walked in, and right through the middle of it was a big ditch, about six feet wide and deep, and it was the everything drained into that ditch, and. And I'm walking along, and I'm seeing all this stuff, and then I see women washing their families' clothes in the ditch. and the place is full of charcoal smoke. So you go up in the hills, and they burn they burn the wood on, under under uh, earth and make their own charcoal, and and the whole island had been stripped of trees, and uh, so the charcoal smoke was thick in the air. And we walked on in, and after all, we came to uh, a uh, Cement block building with a tin roof, but no windows or doors, painted green. And I heard the sound of people in there singing in the Spirit. Paul said, worship in the Spirit and worship in your language both, or worship with the mind, worship with the Spirit. So there were people in there singing in the Spirit, and it sounded like my church back in North Carolina. We, were, we had learned about singing in the Spirit and we'd start singing in tongues. God put a melody on it. You know, we'd worship God and just love the sound of the, the people praying, uh, singing in tongues all across the room. And we walked in that place, and the, the sound of those Haitians who speak uh, kind of simplified French. They, they don't know English and not real French. It's real simplified, basic French. And, and uh, uh, they sounded just like us. There was no difference in the sound of Haitians singing in the Spirit and people in North Carolina singing in the Spirit. And and I was shocked once again that the Holy Spirit crossed right across cultures. He crossed across every culture. he He bridged it. And we were able to understand each other. I was ministering in Mexico one time at a pastor's conference, maybe 500 pastors. This is... Uh, I haven't been there in a couple of years because it got so dangerous with the cartels and kidnapping any Westerner they could find. Um, we were in this conference and been ministering for two days. Holy Spirit showing up and signs and wonders out of heaven and lightning. Somebody preaching lightning would hit and all this stuff going on. And uh, this this pastor who was about 55 or 60 and came up to hear on me. Uh, so he had lived his life nutritionally deprived, and here I was, had grown up, able to eat whatever I needed, and and um, uh, he came up to hear on me, and he came up, he couldn't speak a word of English, and he started jabbering, and I was jabbering, and we understood each other, and then he hauls off and hugs me, and just a huge strong hug and just hugged me and wept and wept and wept and i'm sitting there with this culture right up to here on me uh completely in fellowship and understanding who he was that the holy spirit bridged the whole thing and he ended up i got a translator he ended up what he was saying was guys show me uh uh i have to pursue that god will Bring blessing to all of Mexico. And I'm going to go, God's told me to go to Mexico City and plant a church next to the cartel in Mexico City. Because we all believe that the only way, the way you advance the kingdom, plant and grow churches. That's how you advance the kingdom. You want to do something, don't just go in for two days and pray. Go plant a church. Put yourself right down next to the most evil thing you can find in the city. And start a church. That will advance the kingdom. That will get people saved. And he was going to go do that. He's he's probably dead now. I don't know. So what does this mean? It means that in Christ the world will come together in unity. Begin to accomplish the destiny of the human race. Because in unity in Christ all is accomplished. Brought to pass. The passage in Ephesians that says Christ is all. And And I want to end with uh, Revelation 5-9. Does this make sense to you? This is a radical way of looking at the whole thing. So here we've got uh, the world, the unsaved world, is still living in Babel. And so now you understand all the things you hear about, uh, we need need unity, we need unity, unity and diversity, or, or that we all may be one... Sorry, I insulted somebody's ear, but uh, uh, all the songs about unity that you hear from the world and everybody wants to come, they need because they know, they instinctively know that they have been opposed in unity. But if they can get in unity, mankind can do anything. He will be able to lift himself up like a God. And God is continuing today, just like He did in the plain of Shinar, He is opposing. Mankind coming into unity. So what mankind does is continue to get more and more strident and insistent and demanding that you come into unity, and we're going to mate you. I used to think we could just stay quiet, and that'd be a neutral territory, and the world would leave me alone. But the world is living in Babel, and it's demanding unity. And sooner or later, they will come to you, and they will come to me, and they will Tell us what words must come out of our mouth. They will tell you what to say. And it's already happening in Canada. And if you don't say it, you'll be punished. It is happening in Canada. They're two years ahead of us. I warn you, two years, that's all. It will happen here. And the question is going to be, They're going to insist that you think like them, speak like them, use the same pronouns. They'll put the words in your mouth. And that is Babel raising up its head once again. They're desperate. Babel is desperate to come into unity. But all of this time, God is going, not going to let it happen. Not going to let it happen. And listen, they'll kill you. If you can't come into unity, they'll silence you. I heard the other day, I fellowship every week with a friend who's uh, Taiwanese, lives in Vancouver, great great pastor. And um, He told us now that in, in China they have developed technology so that they're able and do now track every person living in China. They have an app. If you're a waitress and you serve somebody, you point your phone at that person, face recognition will tell the government who it is having lunch in your cafe. I'm telling you the truth. You may not want to believe this, but this is the truth. And the waitress, if he's if you're nice to the waitress, give them a tip, whatever. They put they give you a score, and the government gets it. And every person carries a score. And if your number is good, you can get a job, you can get a loan, you can get a house. If your number is bad, you don't get a job, you don't get anything. So they are quickly training the entire Chinese population to have only one thought. I need to get my score up today, so I need to do and say things that the uh, Chinese party approves of. Their lives aren't, and what's the purpose of that? Unity. One people, not independent, no independent thought. We want unity. We want subservience. We want everything doing and saying and thinking the same thing. And what's God doing? That's what's happening in China. And they're now exporting that technology to other communist countries. Imagine that. Sooner or later, every communist country is going to know what every person in their country thinks because computer systems can do that now. But God is opposing it. So don't be dismayed at the things you see coming from the world. Don't There's going to be fighting, infighting, wars, discussions, furious attempts to come into unity, Furious attempts at, to make you think, Like they want you to think all of that's coming down the road toward us. But God says He's opposing. And our way is through the Holy Spirit. So here we are in Revelation 5. Excuse me, I'm in Luke. I don't know. Let me get to Revelation. Y'all don't do that, just get dis, distracted and turn to the wrong, entirely wrong book. Okay, Revelation 5, starting at 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From what? Every tribe and language and people, and nation. He ransomed us out of Babel and brought us out. And we're born again. If you want to understand me, don't look at my DNA. Because I've had a new birth. I have DNA out of heaven. Go get your DNA done. That would be interesting about where all your people came from, but I didn't, I've been ransomed out of my family line. I have a language with my new family. I have an attachment with my new family. And my old family, the ones that believe like me, we're fine, but if they don't believe like me, we have to work real hard to have to keep a relationship. It's just the way it is. I have been ransomed and purchased out of that into a new thing. Let's go on. And you have made them a kingdom and priest our God. They shall reign on the earth. i say that again. You've been ransomed out of Babel. And God says, I have done that. And I have made them a kingdom, of priest our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Does that make sense? What we need to remind ourselves of constantly during this time is, I've been ransomed out of this whole mess. Babel is not me. It's not my family. It's not my orientation. It's not my language. And and all that furor and fight is going on among the Babel unsaved people. And I'm not a part of it. I've been purchased out by the blood of Jesus. The things that endanger my soul in this time. The things that will block this anointing that allows me to live in freedom. I I like that. Whatever the little mention about freedom was in some song, uh, Jesus said, it is for freedom you've been set free. How do I live in freedom? One, I must forgive everybody. Unforgiveness will will block the anointing. Unforgiveness will block the anointing. Unforgiveness will block the anointing. Unforgiveness will block the anointing. So the question becomes: Is there anyone you're mad at? If you're mad at anyone, that means you've not forgiven them, and that means the anointing for you to help you understand this separation and that you would live in the kingdom of God and not in Babel is blocked. Anybody you're mad at, you need to. And if you're here and you're and this is you. You got a, some, a name that came in your head right then. It's a name in your head. If there is anyone, you need to forgive them. And forgiveness is not, is not emotional. It's not so that you feel good. It's not about you. Forgiveness is a legal thing. It means you say to God, Father in heaven, listen, when they stand before you, but that thing they did to me, don't bring it up. That's what for, forgiveness is a legal thing. don't bring it up God give them a free pass on whatever they did to me and you have authority what you loose release on earth Jesus said will have been released in heaven because he's given you the keys of the kingdom because you've been set free you've been purchased out of Babel into into his kingdom into his world and you have authority to release forgiveness here that father on the day of judgment will remember and look at them and say, dude, you you could, I should, but you got a free pass. You were forgiven. And then if you, the, the next day are still angry at them, you've just got a forgiveness problem. you just got an anger problem. That's all. But they've been set free. Because once you do that, once you forgive that way, Papa's not, you, you can't go back to God later and say, oh, I'm so angry again. I want to take it back. God's going to go, really? (laughs) Okay, one is unforgiveness. Second is anger. Uh, Let me just be honest here. I've got friends all over the place who are mad at people who've vaxxed, and I've got friends who've vaxxed who are mad at people that hadn't vaxxed. God says, stop it. Don't judge one another. Romans 14 is the great chapter for this. Of course, he's talking about eating. They were all coming out of a pagan world, and, you know, the, the Baal worshipers would take their best calf and take it down at the temple and dedicate it, and the priest would cut off his shoulder and burn it, but the rest, they'd put out in their butcher sell through the butcher shop on the back street. And so if you wanted the best meat in town, you'd go to the Baal butcher shop. And some people would do that and weren't bothered. Other people were offended, like, how dare you? And Paul said, listen, don't judge one another. And if you're a vegetarian, well, in, in the terms of North Carolina, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> but don't judge one another. And the same thing goes if God, well, and he ends up, Romans 14, saying whatever you do, do it in faith. So if you don't vax, do it in faith. If you don't take a pill for your headache, do it in faith. Don't take the, don't take the aspirin and say it's not going to help. You've sinned. It says at the end of Romans 14, whatever is not a faith is a sin. So if I get my vaccination, don't say I'm going to get a vaccination. It's not going to help. Don't do that. Rather say if you get the vaccination, so I'm, going to, I'm doing it in faith. That God's going to bless it. Just like you pray for your food, pray for your medicine. Just like you, God bless this food, uh, make it good to, the, to my body. Well, Lord bless this vaccination, make it good for my body. You apply faith to it, And you're moving in faith and you're not moving in some question, medical question. All of a sudden you're moving in faith and you've taken it out of the realm of what everybody else is doing and whether that vaccine is in it, you've taken it out of that and you've put it over here in the realm of faith and you're standing on faith and God looks at the faith, not at the vaccine. He looks at the faith and he says, I bless that. Or say, God, I don't have, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I've got faith, I'm going to be fine. That's what, I feel like that's what you've told me. God looks at that. He says, all right, I see the faith. I bless it. I bless that because he's moved in faith and he's made himself a faithful man or a faithful woman. And then our job in the church is don't judge each other. Let everybody alone because you ha- will not have time. Those are distractions. You will not have time if you're judging each other because God has called us to advance the kingdom. I want to tell you something, during all this stuff going on, the hearts of people are softened all over the world. We hear it from every country in the world now. China is just exploding with new revival and millions of people being saved. And they're they're young teens and they're they're whatever they call them now, uh, the the 20s, the 20-somethings. God's moving and people are looking and, and want to find something authentic and genuine. And they know most of what they're hearing is inauthentic. And whatever the news media is saying anywhere, it's authentic and suspicious and can't be trusted. And but they're, So they're looking for somebody to look at them and tell them the truth. And they're coming to Christ and they're being saved right and left all over the country. And their pocket's breaking out. There's a guy down in North Georgia, uh, a Baptist pastor took over a church that was half dead, and he was praying in the sanctuary one day, and you know, they've all got, all the Baptist churches have a baptismal thing in there somewhere, and he had a vision. He saw fire, or North Georgia, fire, Far coming out, fire coming out of the baptismal font, and uh, uh, I have met this guy, Todd Smith, and uh, so he just saw, next Sunday, he told the church, and they're all bad, just looking at him like, "Okay, you had a vision." And yeah, so all I know is we're going to fill the the thing up. We filled it up with water, and we got it warm. You, you need to warm the water. Um, and and uh, if we don't, I don't understand. But if you want to get in it, get in it. And people started climbing in. Of course, they you know they got clothes and they got an organized things, so you don't have to wear your jeans. Don't want to wear your jeans. Because they're going to be wet for three days. And, uh, and so they started just getting in the water. And there was no ceremony. And people started getting healed, uh, baptizing the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, getting saved, unsafe people getting in, and getting saved sitting in the water. And it doesn't make any sense. But in the middle of all this evil, angry stuff going on, God is doing stuff like that that makes no sense, and He's being poured out on people all over the place. And that doesn't need to be a formula. doesn't need to be any of that stuff. The teaching comes later, everything else. But the Holy Spirit is being poured out across this country because God opposes Babel. But he stands in the middle of Pentecost and he calls us out of tribe, out of every tribe and nation and tongue. And my DNA is no longer important. My German-English heritage is, just doesn't count. But I'm born of the kingdom and I'm awash in the Holy Spirit. And the whole world is now my family and is open to me. Anywhere I go, any business I walk into, any family where I sit down for a meal, it is open to me in the Holy Spirit. And I am not hobbled by unforgiveness or by anger. So if you're angry at people about vaccinations or any of that, please don't. Just, there are, Paul said in Romans 14, don't judge someone else's servant. And I'm a servant of the Most High God, so are you. Don't judge me. Does that make sense? Just walk in faith. All right. That's the message. That's what God's doing today. That's how to look at what the world is right now. Okay?
0: Amen. Thank you, sir. Can we give Mr. Michael a hand? Let me just insert this thought and we'll pray. Uh, I just think this, at least, I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing what he's sharing this morning, it just shows me that the day and time we're living in is is a day not to be playing games and playing around. It's time to get things right and walk with God. So, uh, you know, as we have talked about, even for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight months, whatever, it's a great time to get your house in order, get your heart in order, get your spiritual life in order, and do business with God and stay pure and stay right. Amen forgive everybody. Yes. Amen. So, um, how about I just declare this in the name of Jesus, Lord, it's a new day. It's a new beginning in you. And so Lord, whoever, whoever, God, that maybe we've been holding on to bitterness, just grudges, whatever, just old things. Lord, today we release them and let them go by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for mercy. And uh, God, we thank you that you said that love keeps no record of wrongs. And so Lord, we pray that we would keep no record of wrongs. And Lord, we ask that you would keep no records of wrongs with them as well. And so Lord, we just bless your people today. Father, thank you for uh, just helping us, God, by your strength and your grace to walk the walk that we need to walk. God, whatever we need to get in order, God, help us get it in order. Holy Ghost, we give you full permission to go in the attic, to go in the closet, to go anywhere in our room, in our house, to clean what you need to clean out so we can be pure and so we can be holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.